Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome. To the Libro Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libro Cubicleist. This show, this very podcast, is one in which I discuss, nay, spew forth all the media I have consumed in such a way that I'm talking about it. You're not actually going to experience the media yourself. However, that does not detract from the fact. Ooh, that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. Uh, from the possibility that I may spoil things if you have not experienced them. Say I talk about a movie and you haven't seen the movie and I say something in the movie that happened and you're like, oh man, I wish you hadn't have said that. This is warning of that possibility at the top of the show, as you do. As I do. <clears throat> I haven't recorded in a bit, so probably rusty is the theory I'm working under at this point. And also, I feel like my voice is a little off because maybe I'm getting sick. I hope not. Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Let's, without further ado, before I deteriorate, which is a word I know I have trouble saying, as was evidenced there, push a button that will get us started like this. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the Hitler School of Art. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I only have two movies in this movie monologue, which is a rare treat. And on that note, should potentially have a short episode as I uh, zoom through it. Although, you know, my, my, my record of saying that, the sort of ratio of saying I'm going to do a quick episode and it actually being one, is a horrible one. It's probably... I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 10% of the time when I say I'm going to try to do a quick episode, I fail in doing so. Or I succeed in doing so, is what I meant to say. Oh boy. Uh, Jojo Rabbit from 2019. Oscar award winner of some sort. I think it won something. I don't know what it won exactly. A young boy in Hitler's army finds out his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their home. Obviously... Nazis and Jewish people, not a good mix in general. Um, somehow, despite this description, <laughs> uh, this is a comedy movie. Yeah, uh, and, and there is quite a few uh, laughs throughout. Comedy drama war is what IMDb has uh, classified this movie as. Comedy, comma, drama, comedy, war period i suppose but there's not one there uh and and i think that's fairly accurate um the comedy comes from the fact that the boy's imaginary friend is uh adolf hitler so that right there a little strange i wonder if there existed 
because uh, this focuses a little bit on how children of the time were brainwashed, uh, you know, the whole Hitler Youth thing. Um, if they're actually factually existed, uh, little boys or girls who uh, uh, thought of Hitler as a sort of, uh, uh, probably did, I feel like this, maybe there's some actual accuracy, uh, as like an imaginary friend, or like uh, revered him to such a degree that he had sort of like Santa Claus-like uh, figure, perhaps, maybe, sort of, I don't know, I, I feel like it's at least within the realm of possibility. Uh, a lot of uh, big uh, big names, both just in terms of big names and big comedy names. Uh, of course, uh, directed and uh, playing uh, Hitler, Taika Waititi, Sam Rockwell, Rebel Wilson, Stephen Merchant, um, Archie Yates. <laughs> uh, he plays Yorkie, who I had a friend uh, growing up who looked a fair amount, minus the glasses, like uh, Archie Yates. Uh, so that was fun. He's pretty pretty adorable. Uh, of Sam Rockwell, we've got Scarlett Johansson in there, of course. Uh, Sam Rockwell falls into the category of, uh, uh, of actor who... Uh, and who do I also have in this? Uh, John Goodman... I don't know, there's, there's like a few, and it might not be ones you expect. Actors who, if they are in a movie, the movie is going to be a good movie. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a, Sam, a movie with Sam Rockwell in it that I haven't thoroughly enjoyed. So, you could probably tell where I'm headed with a rating for this movie. Um, dark comedy, which I suppose this would uh, also fall into. Uh, traditionally... On my rating scale, I always get very, very high marks. And I'm not going to break with tradition. Five out of five. Yes. Uh, I love this movie. Uh, uh, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be, Jesus, you, you'll say probably a couple of times, you'll say, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, which, <laughs> you know, uh, that's, a, that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Uh, I very much loved uh, Jojo Rabbit. Moving on to, from 2007, my kid can paint that. My kid could paint that. Yeah, I prefer take two. Uh, the <laughs> MDB, uh, I normally don't pay attention to this, but I did on the last one, has uh, categorized this uh, documentary. Yes, I would probably have just left it at that. Uh, family mystery. I don't know if this is so much a mystery movie. Uh, definitely a documentary. Let me read the MDB, and maybe that'll help us shed some light. A look at the work and surprising success of a four-year-old girl whose paintings have been compared to the likes of Picasso and has, rank, uh, has raked in hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, I don't actually remember when this was going on uh, IRL. Uh, I probably wasn't paying too much attention to the news in general, uh, be it real or uh, I suppose this would could be termed a fluff piece from back in the day. Um, so I don't actually remember it, but uh, apparently it was a big thing. It, it seems like it was a big thing. Uh, the, this little girl whose art uh, seemingly was incredible, although... This is the uh, uh, sort of crux of the this discussion that, uh, because it's modern art and very, um, uh, I'm, I'm not an art person necessarily, very uh, abstract, um, could you tell the difference between what she has done and what uh, a famous artist has done when it's just, you know, a bunch of colors on a canvas? 
yes, in some cases. And, and this is where the sort of interesting, where I suppose IMDb is not 100% off with the using the term mystery, is because there was some discussion that her father, who just happened to be an artist, hmm, may have been helping her, or just doing the goddamn paintings. Uh, it goes back and forth. There's times where you think... Um, there's times where you think the little girl maybe is she, she's this genius artist, and there's times where you think, oh yeah, obviously the father's doing this. Uh, and it does go back and forth. Uh, both of Mrs. and I sort of landed on uh, in the end of the movie. And, you know, this is a... You, you should say that it, it did sort of feel at times that this is what the movie was aiming for. Um, us walking away with the fact that, yeah, obviously the father uh, was mostly why the art looked the way it did. Yeah, let's put it that way. Um, they, they did some things where they filmed the little girl painting... And every time they did that, the paintings looked a little more childlike. Yeah, like they look like a, a painting you would put on your fridge. Um, and her her technique, such as it was during these filmings, rated by uh, actual factual artists, was uh, found lacking. Let's say so. Uh, you know, take it how you uh, will. But uh, I think there's somewhat. I don't want to say obvious, but there was even points in the movie where the little girl, like, just sort of dropped some bombshells, like, uh, you come paint it, like you normally do. <laughs> it, it wasn't quite to that degree, but it just about was. Uh, so, you know, my kid could paint that. Interesting. Uh, Rating-wise, I'll go with 3.97. Yeah, I don't know where I came up with that number, but I very rarely do. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Pursuits Sanitary Napkins. Thank you for that sponsorship. We're talking The Marvelous Miss Maisel Season 3. Ah, yes. Uh, just finished it the other day. Again, I watched with the missus, now that I think about it, as we have watched all of the seasons. And uh, holds up well uh, compared to previous ones. I will say uh, that last, one, last season a little bit, and this one in particular... Her actual stand-up comedy, uh, not funny. Like, uh, I don't think I ever laughed at any of the jokes she actually said, where I feel like in the first season, she would occasionally have some actual funny jokes. So, uh, th that's a little disappointing. Also, the fact... <coughs> excuse me. Also, the fact that I feel like they devoted more time to her sets. Uh, so, it was the combination of longer sets with less funny jokes. Uh, I, I kind of don't like. And felt like uh, they should have, could have, wish they had, of just spent more time on the actual story. Like, I feel like when it comes to this show, I'm not necessarily here to hear her stand-up. If I want to hear stand-up, I'll listen to an actual stand-up. I'm here to uh, uh, witness the struggle of a woman uh, doing stand-up in these times, uh, uh, interacting with uh, her husband, ex-husband, not ex-husband, depending on where you are in the show, it vacillates, let's say. Not to give too much away. And probably my favorite, and something that I knew last season, I, I, I think we knew last season was going to happen, 
was when uh, 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 Midge's parents, played by Tony Shalhoub and I don't know her name, moved in with the parents of uh, the guy. I'm so bad with names. With Joel's parents, played by Kevin Pollock, and I don't know her name. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the, the the combination of these two living under the same roof was going to be pretty goddamn delightful, and I can verify after watching this entire season that it very much was a definite uh, odd couple vibe for sure, uh, just with uh, uh, two married couples instead of oh let me see if I can get it Felix and Felix Unger I feel like was one of the odd couple was that the Walter Matthau Matthau character I think it was. Felix and uh, I'm not going to get it. But I'll tell you what, if you know who it is, don't tell me because I want to get it myself. <sighs> okay, so what happens? Um, you know, lots of funny stuff. Uh, she uh, is on tour with the singer guy. Also, uh, on the note of that, uh, a lot of scenes where it was just him singing, doing his act. And uh, I'm sort of curious why they decided to devote so much time to these two performers doing their acts. I don't know. Um, like, it's not bad. Like, he's a great singer. Uh, the songs are interesting. But, uh, uh, like, I, I don't come to the show for that. Uh, and the amount of time spent on it felt excessive. So I'm probably taking marks for the show off because of that i would assume i would do that uh on that note rating i'm still gonna go four out of five but i feel like the first two seasons i gave five out of five if i had to guess so of the seasons this has been my least favorite oh sadness um they left I, I i won't give it away they left the season off with a big cliffhanger like a, a shit sort of exploded in the last season and we're like oh geez what the hell's gonna happen now the only thing i uh, the one thing i like of the the end of uh, season explosion is we have no idea what's gonna happen next like what the future holds and that i like because i like unpredictability in my media uh, which button am I pushing now? This one. Game Gavin. Today's Game Gavin sponsor is the Church of Ouroboros the Infinite. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I uh, got a little bit of a different one here. Uh, I, I do believe it still fits in the game Gavin, as this is a D&D character backstory that I have created for the game of Dungeons & Dragons. Yes. Uh, a couple of things. I have uh, a game on the go. Uh, probably have it next episode, if I had to guess. Uh, Metro Exodus. Very, very good so far. Uh, not to give anything away. And also... I have uh, started a book series where it looks like the books are quite long within the series, like uh, uh, upwards of a, a thousand pages or so. So uh, uh, those will be lessened because of that, because they take me longer to read, because longer books take longer to read. That's how books work. 
so I, I thought I would try this, and, and maybe I'll do it too uh, for some other ones that I haven't done before. Uh, was read some backstories of D and D characters that I am currently playing. This is in a campaign where we're playing. Oh shoot, what's a heist of uh, heist of dragons? No, what is it called? The the heist of I forget what the actual module is called, actually, but uh, I have a, a friend running it. We're playing uh, online through Roll20, uh, first time playing on Roll20, so uh, that's fun. I, I should probably maybe talk about that in Internet Intercourse at some point. There's been some technical issues on and off. Uh, it hasn't been a seamless process by any means, but uh, we're too... I think we're two uh, two sessions in so far, and we're working it out. Uh, last session went very very well. Uh, it was one of the best D and D's sessions I've had it played in in a while. I felt like so that was fun. Anyways, let me read you the backstory of Tammy Feywild. If you're unfamiliar, first off, let me just say with Tammy Faye, Tammy Faye Baker was a TV evangelist back in the 80s, I suppose. Uh, my knowledge of her is by no means extensive other than what I just said. <laughs> TV evangelist. She used to cry a lot. Uh, I think she was on a celebrity like Big Brother type show where she lived with Vern Troyer. I, I don't know if I'm misremembering that, but I feel like that's a thing. Anyways... Let's, let me tell you about Tammy Feywild. F-A-E-W-I-L-D. Tammy Feywild... <laughs> I say it friggin' perfectly every time, except when I read it. Weird. Uh, Tammy Feywild was not the name she was born with, but she spent enough time living in various personas... Spent enough time living in various personas that she was actually forgotten what it once was. She was not literally raised by snakes, but those she thought of as her parents shared a lot in common with these reptiles, including the general idea of looking out for number one. When her father used people's desire for a connection to the gods against them, and would travel from small village to small village offering magical cure-alls to those who did not know better. A real snake oil salesman. He would often not know where his next meal would come from, and being on the run and being run out of town was a common occurrence. Tammy saw this at a young age and struck out on her own with sights set higher. In Baldur's Gate, she developed a small following at first. Her various simple healing arts were by no means impressive, but when she combined them with the showmanship that had been ingrained in her, soon many came to know her. The combination of simple healing and big showy gatherings mixed with some simple trickery meant that eventually she wormed her way into the lives of any who were foolish enough to believe her lies. The various clerical orders of Baldur's Gate were not a huge fan of the power she wielded, and whispers of her followers becoming a cult were more and more frequent, until one day an elaborate ceremony, during an elaborate ceremony, an accidental revelation revealed uh, that she was a fraud, and it all came crashing down. Tammy although that was not her alias at the time, was forced to use all her resources to escape from Baldur's Gate with her life. Uh, she has decided that with the lessons learned, she will travel to Waterdeep and try once more to build up her power base, and has just started the tentative steps in doing so. Hashtag Dragon Heist. 
yeah, so uh, she is a... Uh, oh, shoot. What is the race again? <laughs> uh, I uh, don't know if I've said this out loud. Uh, Yuan T. So it's sort of like a snake person. Uh, she's a bard. But uh, I found an interesting subclass where it's like a, a cleric bard, a, a bard of religion sort of thing. So she sort of combined uh, being a bard uh, with religion. Uh, however, her religion is one she's made up. Um, uh, I've even come up with the sort of tenets of her religion. Her god is uh, Ouroboros the Infinite, which is uh, an Egyptian, uh, I've borrowed from an Egyptian god. Um, it's that uh, snake eating its own tail. Um, so the tenets are, uh, one, infinity means that all things are possible, including all your heart's desires. Mm. So uh, my sort of thought there is uh, quite often people who join these cult-like religions are just looking for a, a quick fix sort of thing. Uh, two, Infinity means that there is room for all other religions, and Ouroboros does not supplant yours, but rather your religions exist in the infinite and is powered by it. Uh, this is an interesting sort of dilemma I had here, because uh, we learned uh, after uh, session zero that uh, within Waterdeep, um, blasphemy is illegal. <laughs> so if I went around... Uh, as my character saying, uh, all these other religions are fake and you should follow mine. Uh, uh, I would probably be jailed or fined and potentially could be killed. So I sort of had to work in that I'm not going to do that. In fact, this religion sort of allows you to follow it as well as others simultaneously. And they're just powered together by it. Interesting idea. I thought you tell me. Three, adding the infinite, adding to the infinite is cyclical, like the snake eating its own tail. It helps the greater good of which you are a part. So here I wanted a sort of communism <laughs> type vibe where uh, 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 people are sort of working together to help one another, uh, using all their resources and sort of uh, uh, spreading them out where I'm going to be at the top though and uh, uh, sort of take a, take everything. I am evil, I should say. I should, should, should mention that. So that's sort of my evil plan. Um, what else? Uh, we've worked out a mechanic, uh, the DM and I, where I can gain followers and sort of put on sermons and eventually, uh, uh, as people attend the sermons and depending on how well I do giving them, there'll be roles involved, of course, um, they'll become more faithful. Eventually they become members of the church and I can have them do things and, and uh, I get donations, tithes, I suppose you would call them. Uh, some really cool stuff brewing with this character, so I'm, uh, I'm happy to... Uh, experiment and see where she goes. Uh, one thing I liked of the, the last session was like, she's kind of a mean and evil old lady uh, who's trying to start this cult. But every once in a while, she'll uh, turn on the, the, the like uh, nice little old lady uh, <laughs> vibe. So she'll, she'll like do a, a nice little old lady voice and try to uh, uh, worm her way into situations, that sort of thing. Uh, so that would be fun. That's been sort of fun. Like, uh, she she is an old lady, but she, she's not one who you would think of. Oh, sunny, 
can you help a little old lady across the street? Like, she's definitely not that type, but sometimes she'll turn it on if she can gain advantage by it. So uh, that's been sort of fun to explore. Uh, let me push this button, I think. Yes, Game Gabin. Yes. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Bantha Milk. Thank you for that sponsorship. All right. Uh, first and foremost, I don't know if foremost is a word I would use, but it's certainly first, vending machine videos. Yeah, uh, this is one, I, a, a, a sort of strange one. And uh, I've sort of come to the realization, I think, in the last couple of days, that one nice thing the Mrs. and I seem to have in common is that we enjoy the same... Uh, sort of zen, relaxed, almost ASMR-like uh, uh, related YouTube videos. So, so these ones are, and it's primarily one called Dancing Bacons, and that's plural, yes, Bacons. Uh, but, but there's other out there I've experimented with, with as well, but I think these are our favorites, um, where it's uh, this guy, at least we assume it's a guy, and you never see his face, we're just sort of judging by his hands and and brief glimpses of his outline <laughs> in some of the vending machines. Um, he'll go to vending machines, uh, primarily I think they've all been in Asian countries, and he'll basically just friggin' buy one of everything in the vending machine and uh, eat it. <laughs> I don't know if he eats the whole thing, uh, or just has like a bite and throws it out. Uh, I, I assume he, he can't eat the whole thing of everything, he would die. Uh, the amount of things he's buys. And I, I should also specify at this point that vending machines, if you're unfamiliar, uh, in Asian countries are quite often uh, much, much, much more elaborate than the ones... Like, when I think of a vending machine... Actually, we have some at uh, where I work. Uh, you know, it's got your, some chips and some candy bars. you got some pop. Uh, very, very simple things like this. Uh, but in these one, it's like... Uh, you know, spaghetti vending machine, um, uh, chicken feet, <laughs> cooked chicken feet in a vending machine. People, I am not making that up. That one was interesting. That was like an exotic food vending machine or something. Um, there's, there's a cotton candy vending machine that sort of makes it uh, in front of you. Uh, there's sort of the elaborate mechanical robot-y ones, and then there's like the the, the, the fancy food ones, and uh, a lot of them, uh, a pizza one that, that included a box that you could sort of carry uh, your pizza home in. That one was cool, too, because it, it gave you a bag that sort of carried the pizza box. And a lot of this stuff you'll see, like, uh, the missus and I have, uh, or at least I do, <laughs> I have this, like, phrase now that when some of the stuff happens in these crazy machines... Uh, my phrase will be, oh, jeez, the goddamn Japanese. Because they have so much, uh, like, they know what they're doing so much, it just boggles my mind. Like, I want to move to Japan tomorrow. Um, like, everything is thought out down to the last little, uh, like, where the bag is that's going to, how you fit the pizza box in the bag, uh, and how the handles are going to fit in your hand. Uh, uh, how the box folds economically, 
it's just like they think of every single thing that can possibly be thought of, and it's just incredible to watch. So I recommend going down a vending machine video rabbit hole on YouTube. Uh, start with Dancing Bacons, if you like, and uh, go from there. But I don't know, there's something, and he doesn't talk either. Uh, he just has uh, throws up some subtitles on the bottom. Uh, the other sort of, I, I think, uh, endearing thing of uh, of him in particular is the fact that uh, sometimes the English of the subtitles is not quite 100%. <laughs> so uh, that's sort of a, 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 I don't know, it's like a nice touch. It's like a, a somehow endearing. And I like them. <clears throat> Uh, okay, so moving on to Stephen Fry's Seven Deadly Sins. Ah, yeah, these are uh, very cool, and uh, I think he's done stuff like this before. Uh, I've listened to some things like this before. Um, Stephen Fry, if you're unfamiliar, writer, poet, uh, actor, pr- uh, uh, presenter, as they say over there in the UK, which is like a, a host. I suppose we would say here in Canada, like a talk show host or a video game, uh, a video game, game show host, that sort of thing. They call them presenters over there. Did you know that? Not quite sure why. What what are they presenting? Presenting the show, I suppose. Hmm. Anyways, uh, he'll uh, do these, uh, I think they used to be for radio, but now they're more podcasty focused, uh, where he'll uh, pick a subject. Uh, Last one was like Greek myths, I do believe. This is the Deadly Sins, obviously. And then he'll release a limited series uh, about those, uh, about that subject. Uh, This one, as you can imagine, there's seven of them. (laughs) Uh, I think my favorite was Gluttony, uh, because uh, I've read some of his books, and uh, he sort of spoke of uh, his gluttonous ways in them, uh, and clearly has a thought that he, uh, of the sins, in fact, he just says it outright, uh, of the sins, this is the one he suffers from the most, is, uh, is gluttony. Um, I don't know, it's just like, uh, he, he's a person who I feel like I could listen to talk in general, but just so incredibly uh, well-spoken, uh, interesting, uh, uh, the, the, the turns of phrase he comes up with, uh, you know what, I just l- let me pay it a very interesting compliment. I listen to podcasts on two times speed for the most part. Uh, sometimes a D&D one, I'll, I'll go one and a half, uh, just so I, I don't miss any of the story-related parts. But uh, for these, I specifically put it at normal speed and just sort of listen to it. Uh, because I don't want to miss anything. And, and I think of the compliments I could pay this thing... Uh, that is the highest one. So uh, highly, highly recommend Stephen Fry in general. Just go on your podcast app and put type his name in and listen to things he's done. But, uh, but, but this one was really, really well done. So thank you, Stephen Fry's Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, lastly, we have uh, newcomers, colon, Star Wars, comma, with Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer. Oh, Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer. Uh, if they did a podcast about anything, I would listen to it. Uh, just sort of, period. Uh, I always have loved them both. I'm sure over the years of having a severe, sometimes crippling podcast addiction means that I have heard them uh, on a podcast before. I mean, I must have, right? They do a lot of podcasts. Uh, I assume they have crossed paths before. They're, they seem to be very uh, friendly towards one another, if not outright friends. So uh, when they decided that uh, two people 
who have never seen Star Wars, never watched a single movie, were going to sit down and watch every single one and talk about them, I thought, yeah, this is going to be good. For a couple of reasons. All the aforementioned ones of me very much enjoying them, but also because uh, I'm not a big Star Wars fan. L let me preface that by saying I'm a Star Trek guy. Uh, very much, obviously, if you've listened to enough episodes, it's come up many, many times, and I find Star Wars is both very good and probably the most overrated intellectual property that exists on the planet today. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. Like, it, it, it is. They're, they're, they're very good movies. I, I, I've seen the vast majority of them, and I've enjoyed them. Uh, the, the original trilogy... I, I've seen uh, some of them multiple times, and I uh, used to watch them back in the day, and uh, probably helped uh, uh, grow my love of uh, sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, so, you know, I, I like them. I like them. I, I just don't think they deserve the level of praise that they do. I think uh, Star Trek, much, much better. Uh, I almost feel like Star Wars is uh, aimed at a younger audience. Like, uh, once you sort of uh, develop a, a better taste uh, uh, in, you know, art, yeah, uh, you're going to, like, uh, move from the, your youth of enjoying the, the dumbness that is uh, Star Wars and really develop that intellectual curiosity and oomph of Star Trek. There, yeah, I said it. I said all of those things. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. So, <laughs> oh God. And, and, and people would be pissed off by me saying things like that. One thing I like of uh, Star Wars fans, like, like really strong uber Star Wars fans, is that uh, of people who hate Star Wars movies... Uh, Star Wars fans are probably the the, the, <laughs> the most likely. Like, people who really, really love Star Wars probably have the most hate for certain things in the Star Wars universe, like Jar Jar Binks, for example. Whereas I don't really care that much. Jar Jar Binks, he's fine. Whatever. Ewoks, fine. I don't care. They're great. Uh, so that's why I thought this would be a good podcast. And already it's happened that uh, Lauren and Nicole... Uh, really took a shine to the Ewoks, which probably pissed a lot of uh, 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 strong Star Wars fans, those aforementioned ones, um, pissed them off, I would assume. Uh, uh, their lack of knowledge I find very, very amusing uh, for this thing that uh, people love so much. It, it, it's just great. It, 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 it's great. It, it, they have on people who actually do love it, uh, and you know what? Despite all I have said so far, um, those people on the podcast I have thoroughly enjoyed because they have that deep sort of nerdy love that I appreciate no matter what the subject. Well, I suppose if you had a deep nerdy love of, I don't know, racism, <laughs> I, I might not appreciate that. But the, the fact that they uh, sort of know, uh, the guests I mean, uh, that they have on uh, sort of know the deep Star Wars lore, uh, I, I do appreciate that and I do like that. So, <sighs> yeah. Star Wars versus Star Trek. Hmm. Okay, folks, uh, we did it, I guess. That was an episode, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, it's nice to be nice to the nice. Oops, wrong button. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things, and I do not mean butts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. 
you can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.